This is David Bateson, the voice of Agent 47, and you're listening to the Xbox Expansion Pass. Welcome one, welcome all to episode 75 of the Xbox Expansion Pass, recorded on Sunday, March 21st, 2021. I am your host, Luke Lore, the Insipid Ghost. In this episode, we welcome returning guest Jeff Grubb of VentureBeat to discuss the latest gaming news, including the potential delays of Halo Infinite and Starfield, the prospect of further Microsoft acquisitions, and whether or not Kojima will be bringing his talents to the Xbox ecosystem. Enjoy. Yet another week of gaming is upon us and behind us. Welcome to XEP, discussing all things in the Gamerverse, as they pertain to the Xbox ecosystem. And as I am wont to do each and every week, I want to offer words of kindness to those who have made my gaming week better. And this week, the words of kindness are directed towards Kevin Ainsworth of Project X-Talk for his wonderfully kind review of XEP over on iTunes. Kevin took the time to not only write the review, but offer sincere and thoughtful words that really uplifted my week. And because he is the host of another Xbox show in Project X Talk, it meant a lot to get the respect of my peers. And so, Kevin, I appreciate your kind words. Uh, and it's certainly a testament to just what what the, the goodness and, and the appreciation, I suppose, uh, of what an iTunes review can do. You know, people see those, they read those, and it means the world. And so I thank you. Uh, guys, we were also able to, thanks to so many of you subscribing on YouTube, we were able to get the custom URL down, youtube.com slash Xbox Expansion Pass. And I, I greatly appreciate you all doing that. Of course, that is a not a highly produced thing. I just kind of upload the audio track with an image uh, that's made by Podbean. But it's really appreciative that you guys would take the time to subscribe and indeed listen over there. Uh, certainly, it's it's not uh, as thrilling as you might get in, in terms of audio, but I really appreciate the time uh, and the, the effort that you guys have gone through to support the show over on that particular platform. Without further ado, I'm going to pass this episode on to the interview, or I suppose it's not an interview, the episode that includes Jeff Grubb, whereas Jeff joins me in episode 50, I believe, uh, and that was more of an interview-style episode. This is a more traditional episode where Jeff just joined me as a co-host, and I bounced a lot of ideas off of him, and I am constantly grateful for his professionalism, his kindness, his support, and and uh, his insight. His, I just appreciate the effort that he goes through to make gaming uh, better and share insights into the gaming world. Uh, and I hope you guys enjoyed this particular episode. Take care. Alrighty, I'd like to welcome back to the show, Mr. Jeffrey Grubb of VentureBeat. Jeff Grubb, how are you, man? I'm doing good. I'm, I, you know, it's a Sunday morning as we're recording this, I'm feeling like, all right, I'm going to do this podcast and then kick back for the rest of the day. I, I've been doing a lot of podcasts. Uh, yours is the last one on my docket here, and I'm going to take some time off. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that. So a well-earned break then in your schedule. Have yes. you been busy on the grind on the back end? Is there a lot of stuff and moving parts, as it were? I've got, I know I've got news on my list for us to talk about, but are you seeing things in the ether? Uh, there's always things in the ether, uh, yes, uh, but it's, I don't know, we can probably just hop into the topics that you got and we'll we'll kind of figure it out from there. But for the most part, uh, I'm just trying to uh, keep on top of what's going to happen this spring and summer and maybe fall for uh, game announcements and 
whether or not games are actually going to come out this year, which is still seems like it still seems like that's an open question. It does, and I've got I've got a mini game for us to play called Delayed or Not, <laughs> so we'll check that <laughs> one out. Um, awesome. Let me ask you this: Is there more shifting around of of games release dates of showcases and whatnot? Is there more shifting around in 2021 than there is in 2020 or was in 2020? Uh, no, I don't think so. I think there was a lot more shifting around in, in 2020. I mean, you got to remember, it wasn't just even just COVID. Remember when the, the, the Black Lives Matters uh, uh, p- protests were happening? Uh, mm-hmm. Like Sony like moved a, a couple of events just because of that. So there was mm-hmm. there was a lot more last year than there is this year. But there is still some shifting. A lot of, you know, a lot of just kind of like target target timings where they're like, okay, we're going to try to do it in this in this general time. Uh, and we can solidify that as we approach it and as we get closer and uh, we, we talk to more and more partners and see when they are, see if they're okay with the, a certain date. Uh, but, but everyone seems to be understanding that they can be a little bit more, uh, a little bit more fluid than they were last year. So I, I guess that maybe that's part of it. They're, they're just, they're just being more uh, malleable this year than they were last year. And that's helping them uh, not have to move around as much. Certainly so, and I would have to think there's an understanding now of what it means to work from home as far as moving files, file sizes, transferring, how to distribute that work more appropriately. I would think the more well-managed studios have got a handle on it, theoretically, far better than they did a year ago. Yeah, I, I think there's still there's still a lot of growing pains there, still a lot of uh, uh, uncertainties about like hanging over them from last year about, oh, are we going to be able to go back to the old ways? Uh, mm-hmm. But I think, you know, the, the, the clever people at all these studios and all these studios have clever people were already looking to the future and looking to the, the, the change that they need to make permanently and, and developing new processes. And they are implementing that now. And uh, and a lot of that just comes down to uh, changing security practices, which is a, a very tough thing for these companies to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but as they figure that stuff out and they will figure it out, uh, we should get over this hump. By 2022 <laughs> yeah theoretically let's hope for for social and and well for every type of reason in gaming and out of it for sure yes for sure well jeff girl we got plenty to talk about on our docket square enix had a a showcase of sorts over the past week we found out that outriders is indeed confirmed to be coming to game pass on day one for me that's a huge uh boon i'm looking forward to that game i know there's a lot of mixed reception on that one whether it's a considered games of service in people's minds even though by definition i don't think it is um, that's got to be a big boost for that type of game to be hitting a subscription service uh, on on day one, and a big win, I would think, for for Xbox gamers that are subscribed to Game Pass. You know, I think what it is is it's definitely not a loss. I I would like um, if I were a you know a big Xbox fan, someone who got in like fights with PlayStation fans online, I wouldn't <laughs> go and like try to rub this in in their face or anything because it is still Outriders, and mm-hmm. uh, you you know when that game comes out and it gets like a 60 metacritic or something uh mm-hmm. like they're, they're just gonna throw that back in your face like don't pretend like this is the next giant game but mm-hmm. this is a kind of exactly uh, th- this is a really good example of what game pass can do uh mm-hmm. sometimes i like a 60 metacritic sometimes it it clicks with me i'm not gonna spend a lot of money to find out whether most of those games are gonna click with me though that's the thing that's the big that's the big challenge for those uh, those those games in the middle where you're just not sure if like okay it seems like a lot of people don't like this there's one like review that's like a 90 that maybe mm-hmm. i'm like that person uh but a, a 60 dollar barrier so, you know eventually 70 dollar barrier is so high 
that I'm just mm-hmm. not going to take my time to figure that out. My t- my time or my money. Um, sure. With Game Pass, I think we, we clearly see the benefit of like, okay, it's right there. It's just right there. I could just download it. Or even better, like I could just, you know, if I have my phone connected to a controller, uh, you know, when I get a couple minutes, let's just start streaming it because it's going to work that way too. And, um, you know, let's see if that's any good. Uh, See if that's a a good way to play this game and and see if like, okay, well now I I do kind of like it. Let's go ahead and download it on the the Xbox and keep playing it. Um, It's it's such a good idea for what Game Pass can provide in in a way that a lot of these other uh, services can't provide. Or, or when they do, uh, it's very infrequent. Like, I think PlayStation Plus has been very good about uh, giving boosts to games uh, like Fall Guys mm-hmm. and many years ago now, Rocket League. Uh, but mm-hmm. they don't do that very often. They, they, they really pick and choose when they're going to deliver that. And, it's, uh, and I think Game Pass can do it slightly more frequently. I don't think they're going to do it every month. But I think that if this goes well for everybody involved, and I, I, my hunch is it is going to go pretty well for everyone involved, uh, we will see more of this in the future. I don't expect GTA 6 to be on there, uh, mm-hmm. right? There's not going to be massive games on there. But, you know, like, like Cyberpunk. Cyberpunk was never really going to be on there, right? Uh, right. But, but like, I think if there's a game that is at risk of, of you know, getting passed by because of, of its, you know, reviews and because of its price, uh, they, they have a really good chance of making something happen here treating game pass as a springboard and i I think what the one the key thing here the key thing that that really works out is that everyone has sort of learned the lesson that these sorts of deals don't hurt sales on other platforms like we i I mentioned rocket league and fall guys when when it was free on playstation plus it was those both those games were selling millions of copies on steam at the exact same time uh Mm -hmm. so uh, you know i think we can even argue potentially that this sort of these sort of deals help sales on other platforms so uh, I think we're going to see more of it in the future. And that's only a good thing. If you're already an Xbox Game Pass subscriber, you're really going to get the benefits of, of these companies trying to figure out new ways to make their games work in, a, in, you know, in an ever increasingly volatile business. Sure, sure. And I'm among those people that are excited for Outriders. I'm the, I'm probably the guy that, in my book, I like a good 60 just like you. I like I, I, I swim in sevens, as the joke is. Yes. Uh, and this is my kind of game. And so it was a huge boost for me to see that The game will be getting a spotlight, which would suggest more players are available to it. I had friends that were very much on the fence for it. Now they have no reason not to play it. Uh, I'm curious, though, do you think that the Avengers reception impacted the decision to to put it there? Because in my mind, while that makes a great headline and possibility, I'm not sure these two are one to one comparisons. Uh, I I mean, I'm sure that. Yes, I don't think it's a one to one comparison. I do think it is. a consideration for Square Enix, the company that is involved in both of those games. Um, mm-hmm. Square Enix put out the Avengers, mm-hmm. saw the uh, saw the you know the, the sort of uh, trouble that game was going to have uh, catching mm-hmm. on and recouping its costs, and and when they're like, okay, so this game is is similar enough that maybe we should consider something different instead of just putting it out there in the same way that we have with all our other games, including the Avengers. So when you get a chance to when you put out the demo and you take the temperature of the audience and you see the pre order numbers. And you're like, hmm, let's, okay, let's do something different with this than we did with Avengers. And mm-hmm. let's talk to Microsoft about that deal that they keep bringing up about, hey, if you have any day one Game Pass games or any any games that you think might be good for Game Pass on day one at this at this level of money, at this level of, of, of investment from us, um, come and let us know. And I think right then Square Enix is like, okay, yeah, let's sign. Let's just, t- let's take that deal. And I think that that was informed 
by the Avengers. I, I don't think it was necessarily like a one-to-one reaction like you, like you were saying. I, I agree mm-hmm. with that. Certainly. And I think the install base and the, the potential of an immediate audience, that many people sharing out, clipping things, saying, you know, sharing their good moments in that game can only help uh, a title like Outriders, as we said, you know, probably going to be in the 60, 70 Metacritic range, maybe a little higher. Maybe, maybe. maybe. I enjoyed the demo. Maybe I'm just a little biased there, but I feel like that can only help in a title like that. Uh, and Square Enix probably just needed a, a win with, with gamers on a... On a, a personal level, I don't know what the right wording would be, but they needed a mindshare win, as it were. Am I correct yeah. in thinking that, or am I over overestimating the damage that Avengers might have done? Uh, n- no, I, I think that, um, I think, yeah, I think they're want, they want to make sure they get some money. I think they're looking for some guaranteed money. I think, mm-hmm. uh, we, and we hear that all the time, right? That's um, uh, developers take deals with Epic Games because they they want that guaranteed money, and I think uh, if if these companies offering that money, if they can ensure that they are doing it in a way that doesn't sort of risk some of the other money that have, that might've come in. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of these companies will take that. So I think, uh, you know, Square Enix looks at its projections and, and they're like, okay, so we, we do want to make sure that we can cover our top line costs here. Uh, when we go to report our bottom line results uh, in, in a way that we did not with, with, with uh, the Avengers, uh, we were mm-hmm. just hoping, you know, the Avengers w- was going to skate by on its brand, and we put it out probably before it was ready. And let's, but but we think the brand's strong enough, and the game is is okay enough that it's going to be fine. And then they report a huge loss, and I think that they, uh, you know, it's a public company; they don't want to consistently report loss losses, mm-hmm. and they want to show some turnaround. If this can contribute to that, uh, even like to get them flat year over year, um, that they 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 want they're going to take that. And again, this is a direct result of of the consequences of what happened with avengers so mm-hmm. um they're they're always dealing with these things uh and you know i i think i is it going to be like a permanent shift we'll have to see like is this something that square enix repeatedly goes back to and is mm-hmm. it, that is that it, does that represent a change in strategy because of what happened with the avengers um i'm not convinced that it's that quite yet but but we'll see i, I do i will say that it does seem like square enix is looking for deals wherever it can find it right so you know, doing this deal with, with Microsoft for Game Pass, pretty big, pretty different. Uh, taking some more long-term deals, it seems like, with, with, with Sony for Final Fantasy and repeatedly going back there, uh, you know, kind of going back to the very old ways where, like, they had exclusivity arrangements. Uh, but now, like, really getting a lot of money for that stuff from Sony. Uh, it's like, I think they're just looking to pad their, their, their earnings wherever they can uh, to mm-hmm. get the most out of all these franchises and uh, I, I think that might be the permanent change that we see out of them. Um, although that partially seems like that's been in the works for a while. So uh, whether or not they stick with this Game Pass thing, I think is still up in the air, though. I noticed that when Microsoft or the Xbox Game Pass social account tweeted out something about having too many games, Square Enix responded with a quote tweet and seven eyeballs, which felt very on the nose for a social media manager to miss the idea that Final Fantasy VII uh, exclusivity window might be coming to an end. Have you heard anything on that front or can you say anything on that front? Um, So... I I guess I would be surprised if it comes to Xbox this year. Uh, Mm -hmm. I think the, the... People always, I, I, I know, I've never gone and checked check myself, but people always say that some of the, like one of those original trailers said exclusivity for PlayStation through April of 2021. Um, now, I, I, I do think that's a, it's very on the nose. And I, I do, I think maybe it might come to PC this year. Mm-hmm. Um, 
so and then if it does maybe pc game pass but i don't i don't necessarily know if, if microsoft is spending the same kind of money trying to get day one you know or you know if it launches on the pc and then day one on game pass on pc uh i'm not sure they're making those same kinds of deals there uh but i, I do think that game could could be coming to pc this year i just it does seem like microsoft or i'm sorry that sony is trying to spend quite a bit of money to keep that franchise very much off of xbox for quite some time to the point where they might have extended it to two years as part of the deal with final fantasy 16 um especially especially after microsoft sort of swooped on a swoop under them and it seems like took the starfield deal away from playstation um mm -hmm. that's that's extra money now that sony has to throw towards something else and maybe you, you maybe you make sure that uh final fantasy like really isn't an xbox uh game at all um and i, I think that's possible so I, I wouldn't expect a final fantasy 7 remake on xbox until 2022 I, I hope i'm wrong i hope i'm wrong there interesting and because i would have gone the other way based on that very on the nose tweet and i don't like i, I know yeah overly reading into things but it just felt very just so directly relevant you know yeah, I, I agree. I agree. But I, I just I'm not going to get my hopes up is, is the thing. Sure, sure. And I'm thinking back to the Microsoft strategy. And I think it would be it is wise on, on a Sony side, if I'm a Sony exec, uh, to lock down Final Fantasy and continue making that uh, the future of Final Fantasy be synonymous with PlayStation because Microsoft has consistently stated and is now trying new strategies to bring in that Asian and Japanese markets. I mean, we're seeing Kingdom Hearts show up there. Yakuza's all over Game Pass right now. Yeah. And they are consistently making efforts to uh, strengthen their, their very weak ties to, to Japan in, in many ways. It would be smart on Sony's side to ensure the future of Final Fantasy is PlayStation synonymous, even if it does eventually come to other platforms. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think that... Um... You know, Final Fantasy is the one that has a lot of like, huge Western appeal, and that's what Sony cares about. So it's like, yo, the Japanese game that appeals to the Western audience, let's put money there. I, I do mm -hmm. think that leaves the door open for Microsoft to go to some of these other studios in Japan and say, hey, uh, we know we're not going to do great in, in Japan, but we actually still believe that Japanese-ass Japanese games can do well <laughs> in the West. And we think they're going to be a great fit for Game Pass. Let's go ahead and make some deals for those games. And, I, you know, I think we've seen, like, Yakuza have a really a huge boost in, in, in due in large part to Game Pass. Um, and I think that they're going to show that off to other developers in Japan and say, hey, um, it, you know, Sony doesn't seem to care about Japan anymore. That's totally understand understandable because the audience there doesn't care about home consoles anymore. Uh, but mm -hmm. we want you to keep making the games you want to make. And we think Game Pass could be a good fit to show those games off to people in the in the West. So uh, I, I would be, um, I, you know, I think you're right about Final Fantasy, uh, but I think that still creates an opportunity for Microsoft. And I think we'll see a lot of that. I wonder how much Microsoft is able to discuss xCloud as a selling point to to those Japanese developers and to get those Japanese-ass games. Because if Sony has abandoned the home console market, theory, you know, in theory, over in Japan, or the, or the Japanese market's not interested in those home consoles, xCloud seems to me the perfect way to have the best of both worlds. And that it has to be a strong selling point uh, when they are making those pitches to studios. Yeah, I, I, you know, and if if they have a like a good game plan to make sure that like popular TVs in Japan have Game Pass built in, I I think that might work to some extent. Um, and then talking about you know how how it works on mobile devices, and I, I suppose you know I'm thinking like oh 
people want to be able to play with physical controls when they go to play these games. And, so, and you know, playing on the phone isn't great for that. But I guess maybe the Japanese audience doesn't care about that as much. Maybe they will play with on-screen controls. So, uh, um, yeah, you might be right. I think that there could be some... Uh, that, that could be a potential sort of carrot when trying to convince these studios and say, hey, we can make it so your game runs on phone really well. And, and not only that, it's on Game Pass. Like, you're getting money, and then it's on Game Pass. So these people that are now used to playing free-to-play games on their phone, well, as long as they're part of the subscription, they're going to be able to play these games at no extra cost. And, and so it's like it's going to fit into that model really well. Um, maybe we can appeal to that to that audience in Japan that, that you sort of lost. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a good point. I, I would be interested to see if that's part of the pitch. It, it feels like I have a very amateur understanding of that market, but on paper, it just, it looks like it's right to do that. Uh, and, you know, the more I think about these, this, the Japanese market and trying to appeal to, to those gamers, to those investors, to those developers, everything about that. Uh, it seems like Microsoft is trying to roll out the red carpet in, in multiple fronts. And I mean, that tangentially relates to, you know, Kojima. Recently, Phil Spencer was in an interview and he had uh, a Luden statue in the background. And we actually had uh, Joseph Moran write in from the trophy room. And he wanted to know uh, from, from you in your mind, uh, Jeff, on a scale of Death Stranding coming to Xbox to working on a new IP with Microsoft, is it a big deal that that Luden statue was there behind Phil Spencer? Does that mean anything? Yeah, it definitely means something. He he's he's definitely alluding to a deal that he's trying to make with 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 Kojima, likely a deal that is getting close to being fit, like signed. Mm -hmm. uh, and I and I do believe it is for a, a new a new game. Uh, mm. I, you know, Death Stranding on Xbox is difficult because I think Sony published the game, and I and I, I you know I'm not I'm not exactly sure what the the the, the deal is there. Um, but maybe maybe that could come to Xbox. But I think definitely yes, uh, it's going to be trying to get Kojima to make their next game, make his next game for Xbox. I think that is uh, exactly what that means. I wonder if maybe not Xbox, at least Game Pass for PC. I feel like that's a better or an easier transition perhaps for Sony. And I feel like Death Stranding yeah. ran on an engine that was Sony proprietary. Am I, didn't they shop around yeah. for an engine? Yeah, no, yeah, he it, it runs on the Horizon Zero Dawn engine. Right. I can't remember what the name of that engine is off the top of my head, but it's the one that, yes, the, the, the gorilla made for Horizon. Mm -hmm. uh, yes. Uh, no, that doesn't, I mean, uh, I don't think, uh, I guess there could be some licensing issues involved with that. You're right. That there could, that could pose some problems. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the game is already on PC, so maybe Xbox Game Pass on PC. I, I bet there wouldn't be as many hurdles to jump to get, to make that happen. That's a good point. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's part of an overall deal. But the deal is definitely like the next Kojima game on Xbox. That is what that statue meant. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I, I tended to lean that way myself because it's uh again kind of like that that square enix tweet things are feeling very on the nose and they are well aware now that everyone's searching backgrounds uh at this point looking for the latest console or the latest little sneak peek there um you know so there's something to that i i would you know think i also have enjoyed and i don't know if this made you uh work you know double the hours jeff but i enjoyed the back and forth between sony and microsoft this past week because it only benefited me as a gamer uh, a multi-console gamer but seeing the bethesda deal go through and the sit down round table that they had and then finding out that jade raymond was now going to be uh, working for sony not in first party capacity but making an exclusive game uh, and then Sony acquiring Evo and then the Avengers, uh, pardon me, the Outriders news for Xbox. It felt like a very back and forth week between Microsoft and Sony 
in the best ways possible for gamers. Uh, what news stood out to you from the Jade Raymond deals to Sony acquiring Evo uh, as something that was was really worth noting? Uh, yeah, well, the, the Evo deal is one where I'm like, okay, I, I think this is good for fighting game fans because Sony basically saved Evo is what it, is what it seems like to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but not mu- not much is going to change there. I don't think that's going to turn into any huge thing. Uh, you know, I'm not not to like downplay it as people have accused me of doing with that news i just don't i don't know why if you're excited about it and you weren't already a fighting game fan i don't understand why you're excited about it no one's explained that to me um Mm -hmm. but but the jade raymond news it's like i think that's perfect because it's sony knows how to get games out of these people right and they they proved that with kojima where hey we signed a deal with kojima and everyone laughed and said that game is going to take 10 years it's never going to come out and he delivered in in a handful of like he, he delivered it in a reasonable amount of time and now i think we have jade raymond who um sometimes due to extenuating circumstances has not delivered games but i think a lot of times it comes down to you know the team that she's built not delivering games and so she hasn't had a credit in quite some time or the credits she has had aren't huge um and i think that she's due and i think sony's like hey we can bring you in come bring your really talented you know team and yourself and and the people that you work with the people you know and let's make something cool but Let's work in the Sony way and let's work, let's let's deliver it in the PlayStation way, which means that this game is gonna get finished. This game is gonna be polished when it comes out, and it is gonna and we're gonna be able to deliver it on a reasonable timeline. Um, I think I and I so I think it's just a really good fit. because uh, Sony knows how to get games out of these people. And so to me that that stood out. It's like, okay, Sony's just gonna continue finding ways to spend money in in and again in the PlayStation way. And they're not going to try to it, it, Here's what it was. It was indicative that Sony is not gonna try to um, compete with Microsoft one to one by like changing PlayStation now. Like they're not mm-hmm. gonna panic and be like, okay, let's change our model and, and like try to do everything that Microsoft does and just do it with PlayStation now. No, they have other ways to compete and they're gonna just do it the ways that best fit their model. And sometimes that's just gonna be making big games and putting them out for $70 and then making PlayStation Plus like just like this really good deal as well, just a different kind of deal than what Game Pass is, um, and that they're not gonna they're not gonna panic. And I think that's a, kind of the big sign that I took away from them. And I, I don't think they need to. I think I also think they can't necessarily compete with Microsoft one to one on trying to make a Game Pass competitor. So I think it's very smart of them to not try to even do that. I think sometimes that the the one to one competition exists far more in our minds as gamers or consumers of the products, oh, yeah. whereas on their mind they're looking at, at numbers, crunching numbers, and seeing profits and uh, being successful with their iterations. Nintendo, quite quite famously, I think, is is playing a very different game than Microsoft and Sony. And it seems to me that the the longer we go, it's less one to one in terms of what they are trying to do, and yet they're both doing good things for gamers at this point yeah I, I think that's yes i think it's exactly right like um we are getting a lot of good deals out of this i think that both these companies know they've learned a lot of hard lessons from their own pasts but also from each other about um yeah we need to manipulate gamers to get them to spend money on our stuff a little bit but mostly we just got to convince them that they are getting something they're getting a lot more than they think they're spending um, mm-hmm. And that's that's still marketing and that's still manipulation, but they have uh, re- really they're doing it in the way that we've asked them to. So make it make it feel like we're getting a lot for our money is is kind of all we re- have really ever asked for. And they seem to understand that. And, and to them, that's that is where uh, their focus is and not necessarily 
on each other. Their focus is on us, and that's kind of what we've always wanted. Um, and and we could still argue about oh, you know, which one's better, whatever. Uh, but and, and they like that to a certain extent as well because it just creates more brand loyalty. But mostly, they're just the, the the hard thing for them is not beating each other. They're they're not interested in that. The hard mm-hmm. thing for them is separating us from our money and anything they can do to facilitate the the motion of our our bank account towards their bank account is actually where all of their efforts are going. And if you really look at it, it's obvious that that's what they're trying to do. Mm, I agree. I'm I'm very much uh, in that way of thinking as well. I do have one more question on the Jade Raymond idea. I would ask this no matter where she went about the competitor. Was it a loss for Microsoft that she signed with Sony? And I would ask the same thing if, if she had signed with Microsoft. Was it a loss for Sony? Uh, because she hasn't put out a credit of late, but her name is so well known and the credits that she does have are typically very high profile. I mean, I, I don't know, because um, she's still an independent studio. If, I think if she, if she had started a studio and, they, and Sony acquired that studio, maybe. But if, if she puts out a game and she put in and, and, you know, it's exclusive to PlayStation and then that studio is just sitting there. I mean, it, Microsoft's still going to be able to go out and buy it if it's like going to be worth anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Microsoft could just kind of wait and see. And I, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I wouldn't I'm hesitant to call it a loss. I think it's it's a big it's a bigger risk than it is uh, like oh a bit a boon to Sony at this point. Um, mm-hmm. I, at least that's how it feels to me. Uh, but, you know, I, I think I was saying the same thing about the Kojima thing. And I think Death Stranding came out and was like it, a pretty solid game that many people really liked. And, you know, it wasn't everyone's jam, uh, but it also wasn't a huge success. It wasn't like a, I don't even think, think it sold like five million copies or anything like that. Um, right. And so I, I, I would maybe expect a similar thing here um, where it's like, oh, it's going to come out and it might be a notable release for PlayStation, but it's probably not going to be one of their big first party releases. It's probably not even going to be Final Fantasy VII Remake that does sell like five million copies. Um, it, it's going to be something less than that. And then maybe the next game that they do after they get their like sea legs under them, um, so to speak, I, I think they might. I, maybe at that point they'll be more valuable and then you know, there'll be they're, they're also still free agents so it's like not like a huge loss because microsoft could step in at that point and say hey your follow-up game that people are really going to be looking for because you had a pretty successful first game well mm-hmm. let's make a deal now sure. which is what which is what's happening with kojima right i exactly right and kojima for his part has not always been everyone's cup of tea certainly a masterful game creator right. but metal gear solid eluded a lot of people due to his story and complex mechanics in many particular cases i mean i i adored many of those aspects but uh i think i faded a bit over time though metal gear solid 5 really stood out as being a, a fantastic game oh, fantastic game yeah it just i i loved that game i wish it was finished you know i wish it was finished yes. uh that said you know i'm th- I, I look back at the jade raymond deal as well i'm glad she ended up where she ended up i would have been happy if she'd ended up with sony or microsoft uh, it would have been a little bit strange to me if she'd ended up at, say, like an EA or Activision or Ubisoft, but I wouldn't have been distraught. I'm just glad to see that she's making games and didn't languish in the, the fallout from Stadia's shift in strategy, as it were. Uh, let's see. Let's shift gears a bit, Jeff Grubb. We have an ID at Xbox showcase coming up in roughly a week, a little less than a week now at this point. The 26th, I believe, of March is when we're going to be seeing that. Uh, games like Second Extinction, The Ascent, Stalker 2 are, are going to be showcased there. Is this one of the you know much-discussed showcases that could have potentially happened in March, uh, or is this more of its own thing? 
Uh, I, you know, I think this is, it's, I think it's mostly its own thing. I, I, to me, this seems like, uh, Microsoft stepping up to take over for Nintendo. Nintendo has usually done an Indie World showcase in March, uh, during the GDC timeframe. It doesn't seem like Nintendo is doing that this year, as far as I know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Microsoft's just sort of stepping into that, into that gap and saying, hey, well, yeah, we've got a bunch of cool indie games coming to, to Xbox. And then if anyone else wants to show their stuff off, you could do that here. Um, and then it, and then it's just going to kind of be another chance to talk about more stuff coming to Game Pass. It seems like, um, mm-hmm. you know, Stalker Two we already know is 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 well, it's anticipated. It's um, exclusive con- on console to Xbox, and it's coming to Game Pass. It's like that's already massive. That's basically is going to be like the next Outriders, uh, and it's going to be and has the potential to be way more important than Outriders because it's like the a big single player open world uh, rpg those games tend to do well and there's a lot of a lot of fond memories of the, of the stalker games um so I, I but but it does seem like it's going to be a a chance to talk you know i think one thing maybe this is where they announced that uh free to play is now uh free and you don't need an xbox live gold i think mm. maybe they might they might do that here um and i because i know they want to talk about services and stuff like that as well as, as what's happening with id at xbox um but uh, but I'm not, you know I'm not sure I think mostly I just I'm I'm actually more excited for it than I thought I was going to be and a large part of that is just like stuff like Stalker Two and Second Extinction look pretty good to me and I'm mm-hmm. I'm really ready to see more of those games and also I'm hoping maybe we'll get the Gunk which is a game I'm looking forward to as well. Same I always want to call it the Goo but it absolutely is the Gunk and I'm I'm looking forward to that as well and I I think they've done a, a good job at framing this particular showcase at least in the the early running because you're seeing names like Drinkbox and Curb uh, Curb Digital Devolver Digital and then they've got the idea that they're working with Twitch Gaming and there's a hundred plus games that are going to be showcased and they've got those. Uh, I would call them heavy hitters in the indie space with the Ascent, Second Extinction, Stalker, uh, the stuff that we've already mentioned. This feels like a genuine good vibe there. I'm curious, though, as to just how effective the Twitch gaming and having streamers in that type of showcase will be. I don't know if that's historically overly effective. I don't know if it's not. I have no real data or knowledge on it. Um, but I would think that if you can get a streamer or high-profile streamers involved in the indie space to spotlight a game, that can do very well uh, for that particular developer. Is that is that their thought process here, or is it simply a matter of getting eyes on? No, I, yeah, I, I think that any, anything you could do to jumpstart jump the sort of excitement among that audience, among the people streaming a lot of games, uh, is is worth the effort at this point because if one game does catch on uh it, we see that it, ha- it has the potential to snowball and to turn into turn into the next big thing mm-hmm. um uh, you know a lot of times that just comes down to straight up paying these creators to play the game and mm-hmm. that, that that has the exact same effect uh but if you if you can get it to happen naturally uh for one of these uh, indie games that's just uh, another success story and it can make a big difference for everyone involved so i i, I think you're right that, that this is kind of what they're thinking that they're trying mm-hmm. to do I'm looking forward to Second Extinction, largely because shooting dinosaurs with my buddies sounds awesome. Sounds but I, awesome. It doesn't it? Yes. I'm I'm worried, though, because we've got Second Extinction, the new Aliens Fire Team, and Back for Blood all happening in the same year. And I feel like where many of those games have felt largely absent on a, on a high-profile scale, now it feels like maybe we're getting three uh, in, in the same kind of window of time. Am I... Am I over worrying on that front because i know that i'm gonna end up buying all three of them at some point <laughs> uh my, my hunch is that it'll work pretty similar to how it worked with um uh, that those the asynchronous or you know um 
the, the multiplayer horror games where we, one person plays as the monster and then there's like a, a group of kids trying to run away like friday the 13th uh but then like dead by daylight i think is the other mm -hmm. one but there's a few others uh and then like dead by daylight became of course the massive huge breakout success and then a lot of those other games also did fine um mm -hmm. and i think i think that's kind of what is, what is going to happen with these games where one of them probably will become the breakout success and i don't know which one that will be and then the other ones will sort of be like uh uh, you know, finding their own audience and doing just fine, but not clearly not being the kinds of games that are making oh a million dollars a day or something like that. Uh, but but one of them probably will. I, I, I think there's usually room enough for for all of these as long as the teams making them are small enough. And it seems like these are all coming from pretty small teams, so they should be generally they should be fine. Yeah. Do you have a personal one that you're looking forward to of the, of the three I listed or another in that genre? I want to try them all, but I think second second extinction looks like the most fun to me right now. I, I feel the same way. However, I'm more interested in the aliens world, and that is strictly by chance yeah. that that happened. That happened. I just I got into an aliens kick lately, and I've been rewatching the movies, and some of them are really good, and some of them are not. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm but I'm enjoying that, and I'm curious to see a franchise like Aliens, as ripe as it is, to potentially have some incredible games. Uh, whether or not we'll we'll see it, you know, done justice there. I, I I'm. I'm curious, and I'm cautiously optimistic based on this. Same. Yeah. Yeah, same. So, you know, take that for what you will. Okay. All right. Jeff Grubb, I want to play a small game with you, good sir, before we get to a few more questions called This Year or Not. Whether or not you think this game <laughs> is coming out this year, and you're welcome to share what you know or not. Uh, but with the news of Gotham Knights being delayed, of which I am devastated, by the way, I am devastated that Gotham Knights is coming out, not coming out this year. Uh, a lot of a lot of questions as to whether or not certain titles will be coming out. So I'm just going to throw a title or two out there. Just curious your thoughts. Share what you can uh, if if you're willing, uh, and then we'll rock. Stalker Two coming out this year. Uh, no, no. Okay, all right. I hope so, but I doubt it. I, I that seems like a game that's going to need at least a couple more delays. <laughs> A couple more delays. Are we thinking, like, years out at this point? I mean, I, I just wouldn't be surprised if it ends up, like, in a Techland situation where uh, you know, things just go sideways on them. I, I, I'm hopeful, but I just, if I had to bet, which I feel like this, that's what the game here is, uh, I would bet that it's not coming out this year. Fair point. All right. All right. How about Lego Star Wars The Skywalker Saga? This year. Yeah, this, this year. year. I, know, I know they've gone quiet on that one, but I, I bet that one gets out this year. All right, all right. I'm looking forward to that one. I, I'm me too. Ridiculously excited for that game. I don't know why, but I'm stoked. All right, here's one. Scorn. This year, this yeah. Year. I would have thought that game. I really thought. And this is my own naivety. I thought that was going to be a launch game, and then it yeah, just I went know. away. <laughs> yeah, it just said we haven't heard anything about it. I, I bet that's one of the ones we hear about at E3. All right, okay. Rainbow Six Quarantine. Which is changing its name, I would think. Mm -hmm. uh, next year. All right. Yeah. Next year. Dying Light 2. Next year. Yeah. No, no, I, I know they said it's coming out in 2021. I just do not believe them. No, <laughs> I don't believe no. them at all. I'm still wondering if that game's going to come out at all at this point. Yeah. Yeah. I'm doubtful. I'm doubtful. Uh, I think this one's already been debunked, but Skull and Bones. Uh, not Not this year. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't think so. All right, let's see. Oh, easy one, Resident Evil Eight. Yeah, this that one will come this year, right? Yeah, that's isn't that what, so. what 
Yeah, it seems like that's gonna they're gonna hit, try to hit holiday for that. I w- I would think so too. All right, the money maker here, uh, Halo Infinite. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's gonna come. They're gonna figure that one out. I I mean, it's not impossible that it that it slips. Uh, we live in a strange world. Uh, but that would be one of the strangest worlds if that one got delayed again. That would be really just bad news for everybody. <laughs> um, they're they're going to figure that one out and get it out this year. Would it be uh, any more detrimental than than the loss has already been? Because to my way of thinking, the damage has been done, and they might even be gaining goodwill on the fact that they were willing to delay a high-profile game. But, mind you, diehard Halo fan, and I host an Xbox show, so I'm well aware there's some intrinsic bias to that. Yeah, I, I mean, I think they've so they've already done the big delay. They did it before Cyberpunk. Um, I everyone does understand COVID, and, and listen, I think a lot of people are like, okay, you, you need more time. That's fine, take it. But then everyone is immediately going to turn around to their friends and be like, oh, that shit must be oh, trash fire. Microsoft can't do anything right. They can't figure this stuff out. They took a whole another year and they still couldn't figure out how to get this game done and released. Uh, it it must be in a rotten state. Uh, it's, it's, and, and, you know, I guess that's, that's temporary, those sorts of reactions, because the game comes out and is good. People will mm-hmm. forget about all that. Uh, so I guess if you have to delay it, definitely still delay it. Um, I, it just, but it's, they need something for this holiday, uh, especially like, you know, I, I'm, I'm of the mind that I think Starfield's going to try to hit this holiday, but if Starfield's not going to be you know, ready in that time frame, uh, they won't have anything. And that, and that's, and that's two, two holidays in a row when they, where they just won't have a big game. Uh, and that you know, at a certain point, like they're they're just gonna start losing Game Pass subscriptions. Like they'll start people just start canceling it in droves, and I think they can't afford that. Right. The red flag would be the month that Game Pass numbers go down, and yes. I think that's why they're <laughs> yes. trying to make Outriders deals. And uh, you know, the next yeah. two games on the list lead me quite seriously to my next topic, which was one of them was was going to be Hellblade Two. The other was Starfield. I mean, if they vacate halo like if halo infinite were to depart that window what else would they have and we we heard jason ronald uh, like a week or so ago on the iron lords podcast say that he's excited for games that are unannounced and i'm curious as to you know what you think are these high profile games or is he looking forward to indie titles what else could microsoft have in the bag for this year I, so I, my, my mind has always been that, that that he's referring to Forza Horizon 5. Uh, I do think that that's probably going to come out this year. And he's a big fan of Forza Horizon. So I think that that's probably probably what he was alluding to. Um, and you know, it, I think it just makes sense. That game seems like it would probably be ready. Uh, it is, um, it, it's been three years since the last Forza Horizon game. They usually take two years. Uh, that franchise doesn't need a huge reset like Forza Motorsport um and and playground games has got multiple teams so yeah sure they're working on uh fable but the, the, they could also be working on this and i think they they have been um and they need something else to surprise people at e3 and this would be like oh yeah i know we told you about forza motorsport 8 coming out but hey forza forza horizon 5 is coming out before that and it's ready and it's something cool and you can play it this holiday and it's coming to game pass and i i think they're hoping that that helps them out a little bit but i, I don't think it's anything bigger than that do you think Forza Horizon 5 is a Series SX exclusive, or are they going to cross-gen that? I think they're going to cross-gen it, I bet. Yeah. Because they don't, they, don't, they don't want people who haven't been able to get a Series X yet to cancel their subscriptions if they're Forza Horizon fans. There's a lot of people who subscribe for Forza Horizon, a lot of car gaming fans on Xbox, and if they're like, well, okay, I have an Xbox One, and I want to play that game, but I'm just going to cancel Game Pass until I can get a Series X, they don't want that to happen. 
I sometimes wonder, Jeff, if I'm in the minority, I do not care what Xbox system a game is that I'm playing on. I, I'm the guy that boots up, you know, 360 games and, and Xbox One games, I guess, and now Series X games here and there uh, when they are specific to Series S and X. But I don't tend to think about that much. But I would think that at a certain point, there's going to be a backlash if there's not a next-gen exclusive um, that's coming out for either Sony or Microsoft uh, at some point. When are we going to start seeing those games that do not allow for PS4 or Xbox One to be included in their release dates? I, I think we'll start seeing them in 2022. It's just like, I mean, the backlash is like, okay, yeah, backlash, but you already bought the console. Are you going to go, do you want, okay, go, if you if it's making you that mad, go sell it, return it, give it to someone mm -hmm. else. Oh, you're not going to do that? Okay, well then backlash. What do, we, what, do we, what do you want us to do about it? We got to make money from these games. We got to mm -hmm. make sure that that, financially we are making responsible decisions in both companies look at this and they're like hey we're sony our games cost a hundred plus million dollars to make um we can't just sell it to five six seven eight even 10 million ps5 owners we have to have a bigger audience and then mm -hmm. microsoft's like we can't have xbox one uh owners who are who are lagging behind upgrading to the next console generation canceling xbox game pass we just can't that is against what we want so in both cases they have a lot of motivation to release these cross-gen for now and it's not going to be helped by the fact that we are going to have this ongoing chip shortage that is going to cause uh supply issues for consoles for next-gen consoles well into next year i think i mean at least through the end of this year um and so in 2022 as that starts to catch up and there's more of these consoles out in the world more next-gen consoles out in the world uh that'll start to shift uh, and really, it's just going to come down to when is one of those games where they were always planning on making it, um, you know, next gen exclusive. When are, when are one of those games going to be ready? Is that going to be God of War 2? I, I bet they'll find a way to get God of War 2 running on PS4 as well uh, if it comes out in or like early 2022 or, you know, halfway through 2022. But if it's like if that game's like late 2022 or slips into 2023, um, I think that they'll be like, okay, yeah, we, we'll cut this off. And then that'll be, from that point forward, they'll, you know, on PlayStation side, they'll do that. And then on the Microsoft side, it'll be something like, I mean, maybe Starfield. Maybe Starfield was just never going to run on Xbox One. Uh, and so, and if that comes out later this year or, or early next year, uh, at that point, they'll start doing more of those, especially once they see how the game sells and see how Game Pass does and see how Xbox One owners subscribe, uh, how they deal with that. I think a lot of people, if it's a big game like that, uh, it'll be enough to start pushing people over and saying, well, that makes sense that it doesn't run on my my old hardware. Um, mm -hmm. I'm going to keep Game Pass and maybe I could start streaming it. Maybe that's when the uh, the switch happens from the back end of the, of the cloud running on Xbox One S's to running on Xbox Series X's. Um, and if they make that change, it's like, okay, well, now just stream it to your console or something and then uh, join us when you can uh, with the actual hardware. Um, I, but but in terms of like them trying to react to the backlash, it, they're just not going to care about that. They can't care about that, and it really doesn't make much of much of a difference because the people backlashing are the ones spending the most money. And unless they stop spending money, which seems very unlikely, um, they're not going to make changes to try to placate that very quickly. Jeff, I had to write stuff down to keep up with my questions as you brought up things in that. Yeah. <laughs> so now I have to pick your brain and, and backtrack a bit. First, yeah. with God of War. Are we thinking God of War is not 2021? It's definitely 2022. Yes, yes, it's definitely not 2021. It's it's 20. Yeah, it's it's next year, I think, probably. Uh, I think that's at least that that is their expectation at this point. I think early on, they thought maybe they'll have it out late 2021, but everything's been pushed back, and I think that was an easy one for them to internally say, "Oh yeah, let's let's not try to get that out this year. Let's not get wild." Uh, so yeah, next year. 
I, I thought the same thing, mainly because we've seen, especially in recent memory, we've seen with Cyberpunk, uh, games coming out perhaps too soon or not not slated for, like they, they said, to Xbox One and PS4, but those should have been next-gen uh, versions in many ways. And then uh, I'm looking at what each each of the, the primary heavy hitters have in their AAA slate, and you know, Forza Horizon 5, if that is what uh, we're thinking there, Halo Infinite, and then on the other side, you've got Ratchet & Clank and Horizon uh, Forbidden West. I, I don't know that this is the year to try and get out a ton of AAAs with Xbox uh, Series Xs and Ss and then PS5s not being easy to get at this point and just give the, the devs the time there. Uh, are you thinking that that I am correct in saying Forbidden West is, is going to be this year as well for the Sony side? I, yeah, I think so. I think that they're, I, I think that's the aim, um, unless there's some big development issue and they need to delay. But uh, I think that that'll be their big holiday game. I think at E3, you know, in the E3 timeframe, Sony will come out and they'll do, they'll do their showcase. Mm-hmm. I think Horizon Forbidden West will be the big one for them to say, hey, this is what you're going to be playing this holiday. This is why you bought a PS5. And mm-hmm. yeah, sure, it runs on PS4, but we've, we've really done a lot of work to make sure that it gets, it takes a lot of advantage of the PS5. Uh, in these specific ways um and then and then yeah it's you know that's going to launch in october or november or something like that so yeah i I think that's exactly the plan the other thing that that my mind flagged onto in your previous statements were the idea that they don't want to lose game pass subscribers microsoft does not want to lose game pass subscribers as these uh, new systems are coming out and they're harder to find yeah is the possibility of x cloud coming to xbox one uh, a viable way to keep people subscribed to Game Pass if they're not able to financially upgrade or, you know, physically find a system? I think so, yeah. I think that that makes sense. Um, I, I imagine it's probably uh, on the roadmap to some extent, but may- maybe it's something that comes after they get some of these other situations figured out, like get it on TVs and then, uh, you know, once it's everywhere, make sure it's running well on PC because I think the, the, the PC one is in beta, I think, as far as I know. Um, maybe after all those are in place and doing well, then you're like, okay, uh, now we're in a position where let's just put it on Xbox one. So those players who have, who aren't going to upgrade for whatever reason, because they can't find it, can't afford it. Uh, they're just waiting for the right game. Um, they can continue to take advantage of, of, of their game pass subscription and they won't even miss a beat. Um, and then, you know, if they, if they want to upgrade, they can. And if they don't, well, the whole point is just to keep them uh, subscribed to Game Pass. And that seems like the best way to do that with that audience. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I would really expect that to be part of the plan. Before we get to listener questions, I'm thinking back to the strategies for how Microsoft and Sony are handling themselves going forward as far as getting gen- gamer goodwill to occupying headlines to simply selling games. And Microsoft's strategy of acquiring studios thus far has been, I, I think, impressive that it hasn't borne much fruit that we've seen. You know, on the gaming front, Starfield might be the biggest one that comes out, you know, as far as those acquisitions go. Is Microsoft done with the high-profile acquisitions of studios? Uh, you know, like the big things that might that might gain Bethesda-like attention. Are they done with that, or are, are we expecting to see more from them this year in the acquisition category? Uh, I think if they're done with high-profile acquisitions, it's not... Uh, for a lack of trying i think it would just be for a lack of of things that are actually for sale um Mm -hmm. and and i just think there's a lot of big companies out there that are happy with their situation and aren't and if microsoft were to acquire them it would be a hostile takeover and i don't think microsoft wants to do that i don't think they want to like cause that those sorts of ripples in in the business um so i i think like phil would hesitate and and you know and shy away from that sort of thing um Mm -hmm. 
but if anyone is like interested in selling, I do think Microsoft would be very interested in buying still. I think um, mm -hmm. anything up to, you know, honestly up to like $10 billion because Microsoft is, is making a lot of money, making more money than ever. And uh, that cash needs to go somewhere other than their bank account because sitting in their bank account, it is just causing problems for them uh, due, due to oncoming inflation and due to low interest rates. Um, they want to they want to spend that money on something that can generate a profit at a percentage level higher than than you know the point zero one whatever they're getting from interest rates or sometimes negative interest rates. So mm -hmm. uh, they want to spend money. They they that spending money is good business for them right now. It is way better than than holding on to money. And um and so and gaming companies have been a a, a pretty they, they they fit their strategy. They're also they also do tend to be pretty profitable. Um and so. Yeah, that's a good use of the money, but we just it just comes down to who who could they buy and that's where I come up short cuz a lot of Japanese companies are very difficult to acquire. I know everyone goes to Sega. Sega very difficult to acquire. I I think I mean, to me like it may, maybe makes some sense, but just buying any company in Sega just has so much regulation around it and mm -hmm. uh it does seem like instead Microsoft's plan in, in Japan is to make a lot of deals. Like mm -hmm. bring a lot of Sega games to Game Pass. Let's try to get a, the next Kojima game. Uh, things like that, and then as those things work out, they might just keep making deals. And I and now they have Tango GameWorks, and I think that if they want to, maybe they could start you know spending money to like start studios in Japan, maybe. Mm -hmm. Um, and and maybe that's kind of where they come at this. Uh, they come at it from that angle. Uh, but I, I just don't know who else they would be able to like take to. Like they're not for sale. They're not selling. Uh, it would cost so much money too. Like they, it would be a long time before they'd be able to like work out that deal. Um, so yeah, I've heard people I, speculate I, Konami. Any like Konami and Sega are the two that tend to circulate on my social feeds. And is there any validity in the Konami idea? I don't know. Konami's that's even just, worth it. <laughs> it's just so difficult because Konami is involved in in a lot of different businesses. And so, mm -hmm. uh, are you gonna just buy Konami Digital Entertainment? I think is the name of the gaming division. Uh, so they'd have to spin that off and sell that. So that's difficult in its own way. And if you're just gonna buy Konami, you're buying like health spas and you're buying. Uh, gambling companies that you don't want to be involved with if you're Microsoft. Um, right. like there's just a lot of, of red tape, and there's a lot of complications there. I think I think it's very unlikely uh, that they would try to go through all that. So especially because it's like okay, at the end of the day, now we have, we own some IPs, and now we have to like they don't really even have the Konami doesn't even really have the teams working on those games. So it's like we have to now we have to build up those studios anyhow, and it's like there there are better ways to go about that. I think that they would assume, but. Um, yeah, and then that's just assuming that those deals would even work in the first place, and likely they probably wouldn't. So, um, yeah, I just think anyone in Japan is going to be pretty difficult. So it's like you look at some of the, the, the other studios in the world, like, oh, maybe at one point CD Projekt Red would have made some sense, but that doesn't seem like it makes a lot of sense anymore. Like, you don't, first of all, you don't need uh, their GOG anymore, which is one of the things I thought might have made that deal make sense because, okay, your Microsoft, your, your Microsoft store is having some issues. You Maybe you need something that's just for games. Buy them and get GOG. Well, now they have Bethesda.net if they want to do that. Um, mm -hmm. And they could do that instead and treat that as their new launcher and, and shift uh, start shifting things towards that if that is their desire, if that's something they even want to do. Mm -hmm. um, and then CD Projekt Greg is coming off of, of Cyberpunk, and it's just like, is that, do you want to inherit that, inherit that, that headache? Probably not. So, uh, I, I don't know. I, I think that they'll still try to make some deals. Uh, it's just going to come down to whether or not anyone's going to say, hey, come buy us. And I just don't see many companies out there doing that right now. One of the things you mentioned within that was creating or starting studios from scratch. And I'm thinking back to uh, a tweets that Dan Stapleton and Ryan McCaffrey got a lot of heat for in the last week or two about the idea that, you know, 
Microsoft should just be supporting Elder Scrolls and, and spin off some of their other titles or other studios, I should say, to just be support studios. And I pushed back on that idea mentally. And I would have liked to see Microsoft create studios for the simple idea of supporting others and the type of studios that rotate to offer support to others as they need them. I, I'm thinking, again, amateur mindset, but I hear often about Activision you know, calling on all of their studios to go support Sledgehammer or go support yeah. Uh, yeah. any of the others. If they had studios that specialized in offering support as needed – in my mind, that sounds like a great idea to create a studio that is meant to rotate out and help wherever help is needed. Is that a practical endeavor? Because I would think it would have been done by now if it was. Well, I think this is just isn't an issue. I think the reason that that take is such a bad take for, from those guys at, at IGM was just because uh, Microsoft's already, they already have support studios. They're just third-party companies that they hire on contract. These companies mm -hmm. are in Mexico and Australia and throughout Europe and throughout Asia. And they have great relationships, great relationships with these companies, and they hire them as they need. And if Microsoft ever sees the need to like have dedicated support support studios under its wings, it'll just go out and buy one of these these uh, support studio networks. There are many of them, and that that they're on. You know, they, I'm sure they would be ready to be bought if Microsoft wanted to do that, because that's kind of like the idea there. You build up these support studios, and then you try to like build up your technology, and then you try to exit by selling to a bigger company. Uh, yeah, th th that's always been on the table, but they're also just really good partners who are really good at this work already. You just don't need to do this. It is not an issue. It is an imaginary issue that exists inside the heads of people who don't understand how games are made. You just they're, they're like I, I, there's some really great ones starting up throughout Mexico right now. So like, these are teams that are already working in the same uh, time zones as companies th throughout, you know, North America, or, you know, th through other companies that are also in North America and just work with them. Microsoft's already doing that. And it's already, it's already helping them. They're already doing this with Halo and they're, they're going to do the same thing with Elder Scrolls. They will contract this stuff out. You, the reason that they acquired all these teams is to make a bunch of different games instead of just focusing on Elder Scrolls. They want Elder Scrolls and they want Avowed and mm -hmm. they want, uh, and they want, and they want Grounded. They want a variety. They want all kinds of different stuff. It is uh, such a buck wild backwards way of looking at things to think that they should be closing down these teams to turn them into support studios. It, it will not help them. It's not their goal. And Microsoft, frankly, knows better. So there was no risk of this ever really happening. Right, right. And I'm thinking about Microsoft's efforts to support studios when they don't necessarily, their game doesn't hit right out the gate. And I'm thinking about Sea mm -hmm. of Thieves just now hitting, what, 20 million players? I mean, that's just nuts to yep. me. When I had first played that game, not not great, right? It wasn't until a year or two in that I, that I became addicted to it, uh, as I amusedly uh, was almost late to this interview uh, for that reason. Uh, <laughs> but, but you know, like the idea that you'll stick with certain games, State of Decay 2, another example, I didn't think that game would get nearly the support it has. And, you know, that game really did kind of recover in a way that surprised me. And uh, they've continued to, to support games more than I would have expected. And, yeah. and shutting down support doesn't seem to be their mantra of late. Yep. No, yeah, definitely not. Yes. Yeah. They 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 already know how to do this. They are already a global company that works with partners throughout the world. Uh, yes, they're not going to shut. I think I think that's one of the things that I think I, I really ho I'm hopeful about with all these acquisitions is I don't think we're going to look back in five years and be like, oh, man. Microsoft made a bunch of acquisitions and nothing came of that. And a lot of those studios are closed down now. That was just a big waste of money. Mm -hmm. I think the goal here is to give a lot of runway to these companies to just try a lot of different stuff, make a lot of content 
and deliver it to a platform that could use a lot of content. I think it's, mm -hmm. I, and I think they're going to make it work. Um, and I, and I think it's going to come from, it's going to be a developer led initiative where these development studios are going to be able to choose, pick and choose what they want to do. And, uh, I, I hope the kind of guidance that comes down from Microsoft isn't, Hey, you need to go help this other team, go finish this stuff and forget everything you're working on. I think, I hope instead it is like, okay, here are the lessons we're learning from other studios. Let's find ways to apply that to make sure that we are making every kind of game that we're making the best it can be um, and, and really just deliver on quality in a way that we have uh, struggled to in the past. And I, I hope that that is where Microsoft puts its efforts. And I think I, I'm hopeful that that is what's going to happen. Gotcha. Makes sense. It makes sense. And I'm, I'm inclined to agree with that logic there quite a bit. Jeff, before we depart, I had a few people write in. We've covered a lot of the questions that came in, and so I'm so appreciative of that. Uh, but I'm curious, what are you hearing in the ether? A lot of people writing and asking uh, as far as when we're going to get you know, high-profile showcases, if at all, this year. How is the summer of, of E3 event-like things? Of course, your game mess uh, became uh, famous and infamous, depending on who you ask at various points. <laughs> E3's trying to do its own thing. What are we looking at for this summer in terms of, of showcase spotlights? Yeah, um, so I think that people can expect quite a bit of stuff to happen in that typical E3 week time frame. Um, I think the second week of June, I think, is, is, the, is the goal um, and I think, but I just don't think a lot of companies will partake uh, through the ESA as uh, official E3 events. It'll be not E3. It'll be people. It'll be companies going rogue, um, and that's going to happen throughout June. Um, but I, I know, I know, like Jeff Keeley, and I, don't, I know the goal is for for a lot of these things is to shrink the time it took compared to last year. And I do think overall that will happen. Uh, but that doesn't mean it's all going to happen in one month. I think I've already seen some studios or, and some publishers who were planning to go in June and are now planning to go in July. Uh, so it's already starting to expand in, in a bunch of different ways. Um, and it's it's going to it's going to feel long again, I think, for the most part. And it's not going to feel as condensed and, and as exciting as uh, past year threes where you just got a ton of news over the course of two days uh, and then some other stuff to follow it up th throughout the week. Um, it's just it's not going to look like that. But most of these companies will have big events. And I think we've already seen that, uh, you know, these companies know that they need to do that. Square Enix presents a new thing, a new format they just debuted, and they're going to continue that. And we'll get another one of those in the summer. Uh, Bandai Namco Next or whatever it's called, I think they'll probably have a, a similar kind of showcase. There's going to be a lot more Nintendo Direct style stuff, and it'll mostly happen in June. Uh, and then if any of these companies need to delay, they'll go into July, maybe into August. Uh, but I, I bet I bet by the by the time summer's over, we'll be through most of these big events, and we'll have a really good idea of, of what's coming up. So uh, I, I'm I'm pretty excited for it, and I'm 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 hopeful that most people will be pretty happy with it. Uh, but yeah, it's still not going to be like the old E3s that we're that we were used to. Mm -hmm. Is there any one event or company that you're looking forward to the most happening this summer? Um. Yeah, I want to see what Nintendo's going to do. I want to see, and this is probably not like the summertime thing. Uh, although, if they need to talk about Zelda at the summertime thing, they will talk about the Switch Pro at the same time, I think. Mm -hmm. So, maybe. But, but I, I don't know exactly when they'll talk about the Switch Pro, but if they do talk about it this summer, I, I want I just like tell us what's going on with that. Uh, tell us what's going on with Breath of the Wild 2. I can't wait to play that game. Uh, uh, so yeah, definitely Nintendo. They're uh, they still are the most mysterious. Uh, but then I'm also I'm very interested to see how 
Microsoft and Bethesda play together uh, with their two events that should be separate but are treated maybe as a packaged event. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I want to see how like they they handle that one-two punch. I think that could be very powerful if Halo Infinite looks good and Forza Horizon Two does get in or Forza Horizon Five God gets announced uh, and then um, and then they go into Bethesda and Bethesda has Starfield. Uh, to me, and maybe even I'm, I'm. This is me just getting my hopes up. But even if they also have Wolfenstein Three. To me, that is just like such a powerful release lineup of of, of all games. You know, with the exception, I'm not a big Halo guy. Uh, so with the exception of Halo, although I'm I'm curious to see if they could try to win me over. But th- those other games for me are like exactly the games I want to be playing. Uh, so it's like very exciting. And I'm like, if they if that's what they have, if that's their lineup, uh, that's way more powerful than I thought they were gonna have for this summer. Uh, and it also shows like the value of acquiring Bethesda because um, if all those games are coming to Game Pass, and which, you know which they are, it's like okay, yeah, I, I have my Game Pass subscription ready to go. Um, I think you know when it comes to when it comes to Sony, they're going to have Horizon Zero Dawn or Horizon uh, Forbidden West, and uh, I didn't love the first Horizon just because I was playing Zelda at the at the time and I couldn't switch over to Horizon and, and have as much fun. Um, and so it's like okay, I'll, I'll try that game again. Um, and I'm sure they'll have some other big games similar to what they've always had. And a lot of those don't jive with me. And they just they just released Miles Morales. So I'm not expecting Spider-Man 2 anytime soon. And we'll have already started playing Ratchet and Clank by that time. And that's the one I'm look, most looking forward to. So I'm just inherently a little less excited about what PlayStation's doing. Uh, but I also, I think they're, they always put on a good show. And I'm ready for them to surprise me with stuff. And, and hopefully they'll have some big stuff that we don't even know about. That'll be cool as well. Is there a world where Starfield and Halo come out this year together? Oh yeah, yes. Yeah. I think that's very. I, I think that's likely. I don't. I'm not going to guarantee it. I'm not saying that that is definitely what's going to happen, but I think that's. I think it's likely. Uh, I think that Halo Infinite is going to make this year, and if Starfield can, I think Microsoft will want it to, and I think that. Uh, I think that Bethesda will want it to. I think, but you know, Bethesda has been working on that game for a long time. I think that they have had uh, a lot of success in development. It sounds like. And I think the plan is, uh, you know, debut it at, at E3, release it in this this fall. Uh, I think that's uh, I think I think that's likely. I, I think it's also there's also still a very good chance that it does need more time and it gets pushed and we don't hear about it. Or, or if we do hear about it, it maybe it's like okay, and it's coming early in 2022. Let's just give it a little bit extra time. Um, all of that's possible, but uh, I, I do think that game is coming together at, at the, and at the very least, I think we are going to hear about it at E3 and I, I think we'll know, uh, a little bit more in the coming weeks. So, uh, I'm looking, I'm looking forward to like finding out what's going on with that game for sure. Certainly same, very much the same. And there's so many question marks around stuff for the next two years that I, I'm anxious for more clarity and it only serves to, I guess, increase my excitement, uh, for sure. And disappointment when I find that games are delayed. Yes. Jeff Grubb, I'm done squeezing you for information on all all of the, <laughs> the game releases and all that stuff, but I did have a listener write in a question that I think would be a wonderful one to end on. This one comes good. from good friend of mine, Todd Oxtra, and he wants to know oh, – he has two questions for you, my friend. He wants to know, uh, does your power for gaming rumors come from your luscious locks? And more mm. importantly, uh, how do you balance your podcast and Patreon content with your primary job over at VentureBeat? Good, good question. Uh, so let's answer that second question first, because uh, uh, yeah, I think the first one's more important, of course. Uh, so <laughs> uh, it's a good question. And it's uh, so what happened was when early in COVID, we got a pay cut, 
uh, I got a 15% pay cut at GameSpeed. And mm -hmm. so as part of that, and it hasn't been like, uh, we haven't recouped that and then they haven't given us back our 15% each month now. So uh, as part of that, I made it clear. It's like, okay, that's fine. I understand what's happening with COVID and, and you know, ad revenue is, is kind of drying up. I get that. Uh, but I'm going to do uh, other stuff that is not writing and, and I'm going to do that and I'm not going to do it for y'all because you're paying me less understood and everyone's like yes we understand so um i i've always run the podcast myself the games beat decides podcast it's called games beat decides but i've always paid to run it i've always paid for the hosting uh i paid for the software we use to help edit and edit and stuff like that and i've never been reimbursed once for it so i'm like okay i'm just gonna um make that sort of part of the jeff grubb empire a little bit more and if i have to change the name eventually i will but um this is not something that you guys ever really paid me to do so we're going to continue that and maybe kind of make it part of this overall Patreon package that I'm offering, which is like also the Discord. And you go to patreon.com slash Jeff Grubb and then you get the secret Discord channels and stuff like that. And then uh, it also helps to fund the stuff I do, uh, like the Game Mess show. I do that live on Twitch and then post it over on YouTube. Uh, and all that stuff is just not writing. Now, anytime I'm writing about games during the day, it's going to be for games beat. Um, and I like it that way. And then when I go to make video stuff uh, and I go to make podcasts, uh, that is me on my own, uh, kind of kind of funding that and, and doing it on my own time. Um, uh, and I think it's it's been a nice delineation. Everyone everyone involved sort of understands, and it's um it's kind of given me a chance to feel like okay, I can like put some time into this stuff and feel good about it because uh, it is it is mine. Um, and and I don't have to like trying to figure out like okay, well I'm not getting paid for this, so what? Why am I like really wasting my time trying to make it happen? Um, I could just divorce myself from that thought process entirely, and it's worked out really well. Um, and then, of course, I, I, I get it. Everyone thinks the power comes from the hair, uh, but no, it, 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 it's going to surprise people. My my power of reporting comes from the buttocks. Uh, I think everyone's just going to firm up those buttocks, and everyone will have similar reporting powers. So just you know, go do the buns of steel videos, go get a, a thigh master, and you too can can break some stories and leaks as well. Well, my workout's changed. I'll tell you that right now. I'll tell you that right now. My afternoon has changed now. Yeah, you so just cool. got to be thinking about the buttocks, man. <laughs> mm -hmm. There we go. There we go. Well, I want to thank uh, you, of course, but I'll thank first the listeners that wrote in. We covered almost all of their questions, but I didn't give them credit during the process. Rick Skedaddle, Todd Oxtra, Dan Hafrican, Fuzzy Belvedere, and Mr. Badbit. Thank you guys for writing in questions for Jeff Grubb today. And Jeff Grubb, I think you... You started to touch on where people can find you, but I would love it if you would elaborate a bit and direct people towards more of your content. Certainly, you don't need my help for that, but it's a pleasure to get to hear it nonetheless. Oh, no, just follow me on Twitter. Well, no, wait, don't follow me on Twitter. I tweet too much. But <laughs> if you are, if you can handle that, it's just twitter.com slash Jeff Grubb. Uh, and I always post what I'm doing there, but uh, youtube.com slash Jeff Grubb, if, uh, Jeffrey Grubb, I'm sorry, if you want to get my video content and stuff like that. And then, uh, and then, yeah, I, I the link to my Discord should be on my Twitter feed or you know, my Twitter page. I, I posted in the description for all my podcasts and videos. Uh, so just click that and come join the Discord community. Come hang out with us. Uh, I, that's free. That's open to everybody. So, yeah, that that's a good way to connect with me as well. I, and we, we have a lot of good conversations happening there. It's a good place to hang out and just kind of talk about whatever. We've been talking about uh, the, the Snyder Cut, which is something, something I didn't think I would care about, but I thought it was pretty good. So we were talking about there yeah. the other day, and that's fun. So. So yeah, that, that's me though. Th thanks for having me on, man. I really appreciate it. Jeff, you are the first and thus far only returning guest to XCP, which is pretty cool. You that's capped right. off my 
fiftieth episode. This is the this is episode seventy four, I believe. Nope, seventy five. So that's kind of a cool milestone. Yeah. How about every every twenty five? I'll come on. It, all right, I'm booking you for episode one hundred, my friend. All right, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. There we go, Jeff Grubb. Thank you for your time, man. Thanks for having me on, man. Have a good one. Thank you.